When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Judy Enos has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Judy. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, May 22nd, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. In Salt Lake City, where we had hail today, I'm Scott Johnson. Uh, from underneath Overcast Guys on the show's producer, Roger Chang. We are going to talk about robots today. That's right. We do have some Huawei news to update you on. Uh, but I'm much more excited about robots. Not only robots, but please tell our friend Bonnie Burton we'll be talking about googly eyes in relation <laughs> to robots. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Ouya's hardware was discontinued when Razer bought the company back in 2015. And Razer announced Wednesday that online services for Ouya and Forge TV services will shut down at the end of June. I've got a paperweight for sale. (laughs) Yes, you do with a terrible controller connected to it. Where'd Tom go? Oh, he's right there. Uh, Valve announced Steam Chat's mobile app is now free on iOS and Android. The app has many features the Steam client desktop chat has, including group chats, customizable notifications, and invite links. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
Thanks. Valve is asking for feedback on the app and that other features like voice chat are in the works. That would be great. U.S. District Court Judge Lucy Coe in San Jose, California, has ruled that Qualcomm's licensing practices, quote, strangled competition, unquote. Judge Coe uh, ordered Qualcomm to renegotiate licensing agreements at reasonable prices and refrain from uh, threatening to cut off supplies. That would be good. The judge ordered monitoring to ensure compliance. Qualcomm will seek a quick appeal to the federal appeals court. (laughs) As opposed to a really long appeal. (laughs) Takes a while. Microsoft's Windows 10 May 2019 update is available for download, rolling out over the next few weeks to those with automatic updates on. You can also check Windows Update to see if yours is available. Start it that way. Or you can download the ISO directly from Microsoft and download it manually. The update includes a new light theme, a Windows sandbox feature for safely running executable files, the ability to pause OS updates, passwordless login, and the separation of Cortana and search, among others. All right. Let's talk a little. Let's check in on Huawei. I have a feeling we'll we'll probably be over big new Huawei updates next week. Uh, the June 28th is the next big trade summit uh, that'll involve China and the United States. So I, I expect things to calm down. But for now, the BBC reporting SoftBank-owned UK chip designer Arm yeah, arm, that arm, told staff it must suspend business with Huawei because its designs contain U.S.-originated technology. Arm is a U.K. company. It's owned by a Japanese company, but it uses technology that comes from its U.S. arm. Get it? Uh, uh, And it has offices in the United States. So it has determined, well, we have to cut off Huawei. Uh, If you haven't been following this, the U.S. has restricted domestic companies from doing business with Huawei, though there is a 90-day temporary license that has eased those restrictions somewhat. There's a little variability about how people are interpreting that. ARM, if you don't know how it works, licenses designs for processors, and those licenses are used for the processors in the majority of mobile phones, including Huawei's own Kirin processor. So Qualcomm, that's an ARM processor. iPhone. That's an ARM processor, even though it comes from Apple. They're using ARM license. And Huawei's own processors, they they could say like, well, we'll just make the processor ourselves. Also an ARM license. So Huawei can continue to make its existing chips, but it cannot get assistance from ARM in implementing designs and would be prevented from using ARM to develop new chips. Huawei told Reuters it's confident that the situation can be resolved. Adding misery to misery, Vodafone told The Verge it is temporarily pausing pre-orders for the Huawei Mate 20X 5G, which is meant for Vodafone's forthcoming 5G services. Likewise, UK carrier EE saying it will also not launch the Mate 20X 5G for its 5G network until it can assure long-term usability. Huawei has a temporary license from the U.S. to get access to security updates from Google until August 19th. After that, it would have to wait until the updates show up as part of the Android open source project, which would cause delays. Japanese mobile carriers announced delays to the launch of Huawei phones on their networks earlier this week. So. I mean, right. Yeah. From one hand, you're like, boy, the story just gets worse for Huawei day after day. You know, companies pulling out left and right. Huawei has said, for the record... We anticipated something like this would happen. We're working on our own OS. We're not really all that concerned. Mm. So, you know, it, it's kind of like, yeah, at this point, is it still, you know, does, is Huawei any more concerned than they were two days ago? I mean, they're not going to say that because they need their no. stockholders and investors and customers uh, to relax. There's already stories. Tech in Asia had a story today about some uh, Filipino and Singapore uh, trade-in companies 
declining to buy back Huawei phones because they're like, mm, we don't really know what's going to happen with those. Uh, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to undermine confidence in the marketplace and they have to do everything they can to counter that. Sure. Yeah, I guess, I guess my question is just it's sort of like how much could the company on the inside be like, this is really bad for us. Let's fire up that OS and see where we're at. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that, ta- that takes a lot of work. Uh, and now yeah. building your chipset just got even more difficult because you can't use the ARM design that everybody else uses. Uh, so really, this is out of Huawei's hands, to be honest. They, they, they can do what they can do and hope that this doesn't end up lasting more than that three months that they supposedly have uh, parts stockpiled and hope it gets uh, resolved soon so that they don't have to worry about declining sales just because of confusion in the marketplace in general. Tom said something this morning on TMS on your segment um, that it also affected some other products. I'd brought up their, their line of notebooks, which are, you know, relatively uh, popular. People think they're some of the nicer windows notebooks made certainly by Yahweh, but you had said, even that is a bit of a yeah. sticky. Wicket. Intel Microsoft. can't sell to uh, to to Huawei uh, to make new laptops, and Microsoft hasn't said anything about Windows, but they took that laptop out of the Microsoft store. Yeah, see, they didn't expect that. No one expects Microsoft to take you out of their store. Well, we did this time. (laughs) (laughs) The latest version of Tesla's Navigate on Autopilot feature, which arrived on April 3rd, lets cars, uh, owners rather, who are in the cars, who purchased enhanced autopilot or full self-driving capability automatically change lanes for what the company calls more seamless driving, more seamless experience. Driver has to turn it on first, so it's not going to happen unless you opt in, and then can cancel an automated lane change in progress by using the turn signal or braking or holding the steering wheel in place. But Consumer Reports says that its own test found that the feature cut off cars without leaving enough space, that could be dangerous, also passed on the right and failed to return to the right lane after a pass, which violates state law in Connecticut. Consumer Reports' Jake Fisher says it doesn't react to brake lights or turn signals, adding, monitoring the system is much harder than just changing lanes yourself. Using the system is like monitoring a kid behind the wheel for the very first time. So so, so not a good, not a good report, not a good review. I do not own a Tesla. I have a car that has some semi-autonomous features. I've talked about it in, in past shows. You know, for something like parking, where it's going to be pretty tight spot, and I just don't feel like doing the parallel thing myself, works great. That is at a very, very low speed. Uh, you know, almost nothing. If we're talking about passing cars on a freeway, and you're going back into a lane and basically cutting somebody off, that doesn't sound so good. Yeah, the, the, they make a big deal about like does illegal maneuvers, and then they explain the legal maneuvers are passing on the right. Which I mean, in Los Angeles, I think we snicker at that because if you couldn't could pass on the right, in Los yeah, you just pass where you can pass. Never go anywhere, uh, <laughs> and and then returning to the right after a lane change. I remember when I moved to Texas, nobody did that in Texas. I was so annoyed for, by that until I got used to it. Those don't seem particularly awful. And Tesla says, "Look, it's up to you. You have to to guide the car. So if you're in Connecticut, don't let your car do that. If you're somewhere else, maybe it's okay." Uh, but the stuff about about cutting off cars too quickly, that seems like an issue. Uh, and I know Tesla's saying you should always be monitoring uh, what your car does. This isn't meant to be a self-driving car feature. It's meant to be an assist. Uh, that That's okay until Jake Fisher tells me, like, yeah, monitoring this is more difficult than not using it. I'm like, well, then that's not a feature that's ready to be used. Yeah, that that's the problem I have with so much of this stuff is, and, and you know, the automakers are, you know, they, they make it very clear, like, you know, in my car, if I 
if I'm staying within my lane, which is a feature, and my hands aren't on the wheel for like 20 seconds or something, there's some, it's 20 or 30, you know, the car will just be like, well, I'm not doing this anymore because you're not following the rules. And it's a little annoying because you're sort of like, well, I could just drive right here. (laughs) (laughs) I know how to do it. So, you know, sometimes I I struggle with this thing that's supposed to like change uh, the way that we all drive and allow us to breathe a little bit more easily. And I don't know, look out the window, but it, this, this particular feature sounds, yeah, like it's, it's got some work to do. Well, Atari is showing off a joystick and controller for its retro VCS console. So when you're not driving, put these in your hands. They plan to have it finished up, the entire device and the controllers, before the end of the year. If you think the Atari Classic CX40 joystick, which it was known as back in the day, the very you all know it, this old joystick for the Atari 2600, well, then get excited because one of the controllers is a slightly modernized, modernized version of that. We'll also have Bluetooth, USB con- uh, connectivity, that sort of stuff. But it's essentially the CX40. The VCS modern controller follows the basic template of other popular controllers in terms of button layout, analog sticks, got a D-pad, it's got shoulder buttons. Uh, both the classic and the modern controllers are remappable. They wanted to make sure people knew that. That seems to be important to some. Anyway, the Atari VCS uh, says the hardware is almost ready for final production and will match previous statements that the console will be ready by the end of 2019. We still don't have a date. We don't have a month. Uh, but if you're looking for some classic Atari gaming hardware uh it looks like this year is going to happen after all did i read this right that that it will also that the, the joystick will also rotate so you can use it as a paddle yes uh that is supposedly uh correct um obviously nobody's had any hands on with this yet so we don't we can't really confirm it uh there was some stuff showed at gdc just some closed door stuff but nothing really came out of that but yeah for things like pong and other paddle based i, I guess uh, uh i can't think of any others at the moment but arcade yeah, Arkanoid, there you go. Paddle-based uh, games should be uh, supportable, so that's cool. It's not like an extra extra controller you'd have to get. But the modern controller is interesting in the sense that uh, if it's a good one, I'm a big fan of Bluetooth kind of standards-compliant wireless controllers because I like to use them in other places. So this may seem like kind of an odd thing, but I want to try that thing out on a PC because I like a good controller as it translates to how well it would play on a PC. I use a PS4 controller on a PC right now. Sometimes I use a Xbox One controller and an Xbox 360 controller. I kind of swap them around depending on the game I'm playing. Um, so that's of interest to me. But if you have been sitting there going, man, freaking uh, Nintendo is having all the fun with these classic controllers and Sony tried, but it wasn't that great. And I guess the Genesis is having something come. If you're thinking Atari deserves its day in the sun, well, you're going to finally see it. And this is especially notable for those who backed this thing. I believe it was an Indiegogo campaign, not Kickstarter, but backed it all that time ago and had become a kind of, I don't know, impatient with news and updates. Uh, this is as close as you're going to get for a big piece of news and update. And it should be out this fall. Yeah. You know, uh, Roger, you were you were saying uh, before the show that uh, as, as nostalgic as this joystick is, it's really all not all that great. Well, I I was never a fan of the original Atari Twenty Six Hundred joystick. It was really stiff, and uh, when you got sweaty palms, you kind of slipped a little bit, and it was a little too short. Um, I mean, it's it's cool. I I do like the fact that the that form factor does lend itself to being left or right handed, as opposed to a gamepad where you got the analog stick typically on the left uh, or right, but you know the 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 D pad is on the left. Um, 
I'm with, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to save my criticisms until it comes there's a physical product yeah, out and I can more I can more professionally ridicule it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're staying neutral. This this device can make some promises that need to be seen before I will agree that it's can do what it says it's going to do like play a host of modern exclusive games. There's a lot of talk about it being un, way underpowered for that or maybe secretly overpowered. Like, there's just a lot we don't know. It's kind of a mystery box, and it's not really Atari who's doing it. It's just a licensing thing, and it's just a weird thing. So, you know, time will tell. We'll see. All but the largest Apple device resellers have vanished, like thin air from Amazon's marketplace, six months after Apple and uh, and Amazon made a deal which requires companies that want to sell Apple products through Amazon to do a couple things. They have to purchase at least $2.5 million worth of refurbished inventory every 90 days from either Apple itself or through a retailer with more than $5 billion in annual sales. That would be like a Target or a Walmart. The company also has to reach out directly to Apple to become an authorized reseller Although Apple hasn't really said, at least not publicly, what those seller requirements are, but to become an Apple authorized provider of repairs requires a physical retail space. So this is one of those things where if it's about abuse, this is a great example of testing whether someone is abusing their market position. Because it's if you take Amazon's name out of this and say, okay, there's a retailer who has decided that they are only going to resell, they have a marketplace and they're going to only allow people to resell Apple stuff on Apple's terms. They've made a deal with Apple and Apple's like, hey, we'll, we'll sell a bunch of things through your store as long as you abide by these rules as far as letting other people sell. In fact, a lot of times in retail situations, a company may say, look, you will only get this product from us. You won't be able to sell it from anyone else. So in some sense, what Amazon's doing has always been more progressive than a lot of other retailers. But then when you take back into consideration, however, Amazon has quite an outsized influence on the marketplace, particularly for electronics. Then it starts to feel like, wait a minute, Apple seems to be driving people out of the marketplace so it can dominate the resale of refurbished units uh, and, and direct money into its coffers at the expense of smaller business people. Yeah, they basically get to sell everything twice, or at least that's the that's the thing that's being levied against Maybe them. That, I've yeah. never, have you guys ever gotten anything like a refurbished or secondhand oh, yeah. stuff off of? Absolutely. I've never done that before. I guess I've, I've done it many, many a time. Not hmm. just through Apple. I, I've I've gotten open box stuff off of Best Buy. I've gotten refurbished TVs. It's it's a great way to go because to sell it as refurbished, it has to carry the same guarantees as new. Right. I just guess I've never done it. I don't know why I've never done that. It feels like that'd be a good way to do a thing, and I haven't done it. Yeah, you should do with it. me. Yeah, well, <laughs> but don't do it through Amazon unless you're okay giving your money to Apple. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Couple robot stories here. Uh, and I think they go well together. So we're going we're gonna to pair them for you. Our chefs have prepared them two ways. Ford announced its package <laughs> delivery robot called Digit is now operational. They, they announced they were going to do this. Now they're saying it's operational and they have a video showing it working. That doesn't mean it's actually out in the world doing anything yet. It just means like, oh, we actually went from concept to working model. It's a two-legged robot created by Agility Robotics meant to fold up for storage in a self-driving vehicle. So the idea is the vehicle does the self-driving package delivery to the door. But let's say it's someone who can't come out of their house. Uh, the vehicle then makes a map of the terrain 
So it, it, it uses its LIDAR and all the sensors it uses to drive to say, okay, there's a slight grade and there's some steps and there's a fence here. And then it shares that map with the robot Digit. Digit is bipedal. Uh, so Digit will then unfold from the car, uh, carry packages up to 40 pounds and take them to your door. Uh, it looks creepy though, because it's, you know, <laughs> wobbling up on two legs and it doesn't really have a face or anything. Well, our other story informs us a little bit about why Digit looks so creepy. Giant Food Stores is rolling out a robot called Marty to assist customers in 172 locations across the East Coast. I used to shop at Giant back in Arlington, Virginia. They are autonomous robots like many others, but they also have googly eyes on them. Giant President Nick Bertram told Adweek, the eyes make it a bit more fun. But in Gadget, talk to some scientists who say the eyes actually do more than just make it fun. Uh, Dr. Amrisha Vaish, assistant professor at the University of Virginia's Department of Psychology, told in Gadget, humans are very sensitive to the presence of other people, and we behave more socially in the presence of other people. It's called the watching eye paradigm. So if we feel like a person is looking at us, then we behave a little better. Now, that that can wear off if it's a non-moving eye. We start to realize, well, those aren't really eyes, but robots are moving. Children as young as five uh, react when a peer is watching them and show more pro-social behavior, less antisocial behavior, less stealing behavior. And a 2018 study uh, from Dr. Weish called Eyes More Than Other Facial Features Enhance Real-World Donation Behavior put a photo of a chair or a photo of a nose, or a photo of a mouth, or a photo of eyes above a donation jar at a children's museum, swapping them out each week. And they found that weeks where they had the photo of the eyes above the jar turned an extra $12 a week more in donations Whoa. than the other jars did. <laughs> now, awesome. all of this is to say that maybe Ford ought to put some googly eyes on <laughs> Digit. Now, I, I do not find Digit creepy. I understand that Digit does not have googly eyes, but I mean, we've seen quite a bit of robots over the last few years. Lots of different kinds of robots, lots of different kinds of legs, lots of colors. It, it, if, it, if it's delivering a package, I don't need to like make eye contact. Well, here's the thing. Sarah and I, you and I are both um, adult people with maturity who want we want lives. some some form of maturity i know at least a few let's say 16 to 17 year olds who the minute they saw digit at their door would like to come out and spartan kick it into the yard (laughs) so this is my worry is that as it always is tom's going to see a pattern here because whenever we talk about these advances on this show my brain immediately goes to what can teenagers do to jack it up Right. And I don't mean this from like a get off my lawn old man standpoint. If I was a teenager, I would I would consider the kick because it sounds really funny until later you get in trouble. But that's my only worry here. Other than this, this is great. Bring robots to my door. I don't care if they're creepy or have eyes. I love this eye uh, study, though. I think it's amazing. And it says a lot about all sorts of things dealing with how we deal with anthropomorphized uh objects and machinery and yeah. animals, you know, and the, the more an animal looks like a puppy or the more a puppy looks like a baby, the more we are uh, drawn to it. And uh, babies are cute for a reason. We take care of them and old people are nasty and we have to all argue about who's going to take care of grandpa. Like, like we are drawn by this sort of stuff. And so that's fascinating to me, but I'm still worried about poor digit and where he'll end up. 
<laughs> well, I, I also I and I think we all understand like googly eyes what what that means. Yeah, they're cartoonish, they're friendly, they're you know yeah cutesy and whatever. It's like imagine if a robot had you know shifty eyes. You know then you know, it would be a whole different thing. Well, it because might keep it would, the kids from kicking it though. Might keep the kids from kicking it, but at the same time, I don't know. I always think of uh, what like when. When I've been taught safety, you know, if I'm walking around at night and I'm a young woman and, you know, how do you sort of mm-hmm. make sure that you, you, and one of the things is like, you always make eye contact with anybody that you pass so that they know you're paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. You know, cause if you're kind of, you know, maybe you'd be more susceptible to somebody screwing with you. Um, so somebody's got weird eyes. I always do notice that because I'm like, I'm on to you, Crazy buddy, eyes, yeah. buddy, buddy or gal. Google uh, guys but- are cute. But they yeah, googly eyes are cute. So it's like it, there's it's it's designed to make the robot as inoffensive as possible. So I get that, and especially I with kids. I can't believe Digit doesn't creep you out a little bit. It doesn't have a head. <laughs> but but it's like it's not a human. Why does it have to have a head? It just needs to come up my stairs and give me the cat litter. I mean, Tom, what Tom's talking about is part of that psychology, though, because it's humanoid. We. I, I mean, I do think of it differently as a humanoid, uh, as a humanoid shape and a bipedal shape than I would something that looked like a, a washing machine that wheeled up there. Like that would be like, oh, it's just that machine, big deal. But there's something about it being in sort of a humanoid shape, it's lifelike, and yet, yeah. What re- if you put a nice baseball cap on him? <laughs> even more. Now we've done it more. We humanized it even more. So I don't know if that's good or bad or up or down. I. I, you know, there's a reason like in movies, we've always made them for the most part, we've made our robots look like us a little bit because we relate to them more. They can fit in more. Like there's all these reasons why they, that we do that. And so that science is really fascinating to me as we move closer and closer to a world where robotics and super AI are not that crazy of an idea. It's not science fiction anymore. Will we continue to anthropomorphize all of our robots in the future. And I think we probably will. I can't remember the model off the top of my head now. I did put it in my Tech Republic top five delivery robots, but there's a model out there that not only has eyes on it, but the eyes look where it's going so that you can, you get a cue of like, oh, it's looking to the left. I bet it's about to turn. And it does. Uh, So there's all kinds of other reasons to mimic human behavior. Sometimes I think we're like, why does this robot even have to be bipedal? Well, because it can navigate steps and things built for humans better that way. Why does this robot have to have a face like Sarah's saying? Well, because it calms people down. It makes people less likely to kick it. It makes some people less creeped out and can even like give you cues about what it's going to do. So because we're used to interacting with other humans, making the robot looks humans makes them easier for us to interact with. But not too human- because then we want them to act like humans, which they are not. Right. That's a whole other conversation, though. Although yep. then we, t- if we don't treat them like humans, then we take away their rights, and then they get sentience, and then they rebel against us. So there's that whole thing. Yeah. I don't know how we win this one, but I, I am excited for Digit to bring think- my cat litter up the stairs because it's really heavy. <laughs> You're going to have to order less than 40 pounds of cat litter. Is that it? <laughs> it's probably about 40 pounds. I get the big jumbo one. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Can't win. Can't win with robots. Uh, we'll keep trying, though. Thanks, everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Hang out in our Facebook group as well, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. Software Defined Radio. We talked about this earlier in the week. Was it yesterday? 
I, I guess believe it was so. Yeah, show. yesterday we had the email <clears throat> that was asking, hey, why can't we just have multiple broadcasts on one spectrum? That was Jeff who was like, could we do software-defined radio? Well, Mark in Minneapolis says STR, as the public gets it, is 99% receive only, not transmit or receiver. Receiving signals is easier than transmitting. The circuits are simpler. There's less power requirements, no antennas or antenna gates to deal with. The other part of it is simple spectrum security. FCC requires licensing across many different brands, and you don't necessarily want a bunch of radios out in the wild that could transmit on a bunch of frequencies. But the only thing holding them back is software. You're a rootkit away for some serious liabilities. Yeah, I mean, that second one's a fair objection. If that was the only objection, I would say, well, but that applies to anything software. And and we are yeah. we are better at developing ways to secure things. But you combine that with the fact that, yeah, it's mostly about receiving, not transceivers, not not transmitting. Um, and 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 the uh, the, the fact that it's not uh, CB radio, you know, it's not just an open band that as many people want to broadcast, uh, can and, and software defined radio might be harder to enforce that for. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the explanation there. That was great. Yes. Hopefully Minneapolis is warming up a bit or they've had some weather as of late. Mm-hmm. Thanks also to Scott Johnson for being with us on Wednesday's show. Scott, what's been going on with you? Well, uh, lots of stuff. Uh, there's always something to be found over at frogpants.com. I just finished uh, a really dumb video and put it on YouTube at my channel. It's slash Scott Johnson on YouTube. Uh, that is a homage to Game of Thrones, which just ended. It's not a spoiler of any sort, but it combines Game of Thrones with a little bit of uh, The Breakfast Club from the 80s. I mean, there's nothing. There's no no two things I want to combine more. <laughs> it's as if you read my mind, even though I didn't realize I wanted it yet. You might get a kick out of it. I, re- I put it all together today. It's that kind of dumbness you can find from me <laughs> the work I do. So head on over to frogpants.com and check all that stuff out. And you can always follow me on Twitter at Scott Johnson. It has never been a better time to join Daily Tech News Show as a member. Member, you say? What is that? Well, you go to patreon.com slash DTNS. You give at least a dollar a month and you get a bunch of extra perks. Uh, Right now, there is a bonus episode going to the folks who give $10 a month. That's like... That's not even a dollar an episode. Uh, and the bonus episode will have us looking back at May 2014 at the actual DTNS lineups and looking at some of the crazy things that were happening five years ago, uh, comparing them to the news that we have now. That's coming in your feed today. Also, uh, I've got an editor's desk that I give to the people at the $5 and up level. Uh, and that has been suggested this week by a listener named Jamie uh, about spoilers. I'm going to do an editor's desk about spoilers coming out uh, this weekend. So go join now at patreon.com com slash dtns our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com you know we've 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 we, if anyone has one of these teslas and ha- has some first-hand accounts we'd love to hear about that specifically but anything on your mind bring it here we're also live monday through friday at 4 30 p.m eastern 2030 utc find out more dailytechnewsshow.com slash live justin robert young's on vacation but allison sheridan is in tomorrow looking forward to that talk to you then This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.